Jesus, we need you. Father, we thank you, Lord, for being in this place tonight. God, I thank you for a group of hungry souls, Lord, who are ready for a touch from you tonight. God, I pray, Lord, as this younger generation is leading us tonight, God, I thank you that the future is bright, that there's a group of young people that have not bowed their knee to the bells of this age, but that'll stand up in the face of adversity and say, God, your name says it all. God, I will bow my knee to your name, the name that is above every name. So God, I pray tonight, Lord, that you would anoint me. God, you would anoint us tonight, God, to, Lord, to grab hold of you. Lord, may we be forever changed and challenged tonight. Lord, to walk out even just a little bit different than how we walked in. God, we're desperate for you. Father, we love you in Jesus' name. Come on, y'all lift up a shout under Jesus' name tonight. Come on, y'all can do a little bit better. Lift up a shout. Amen. Amen. Now I want you to put your hands together and thank this awesome worship team. Thank y'all, thank y'all. I get the privilege of being with them. Y'all can be seated. I get the privilege of being with them every single week. And uh, as I just said, as I was praying, I'm gonna tell you what, Evangel, the future is bright here. And uh, I just have uh, just the blessing of being able to have a front row seat to see in our, our youth uh, the, the call of God that is on their life. And, uh, and I'm so thankful for it. And uh, listen, tonight, I'm so excited about where I'm headed, about where we're going tonight. I believe it's a message uh, that we all can grab hold of. And I'm just gonna tell you this right now. It's a message that I preached a couple weeks ago in our youth ministry. And uh, I, I'm going to tie together, and I want you to know, uh, at the end of the service, uh, we are going to bridge the generations together tonight down here at the altar. I'm gonna go ahead and give you a heads up. I, I know there's some people you like movies and you don't like people to spoil the end. I'm gonna spoil the end. We are going to end by praying together uh, with this younger generation and the older generation. And, uh, and I'm excited uh, about the word that God has placed inside of me. And uh, I'm gonna just get started in scripture. And I want you to turn in your Bibles to the book of Genesis really quickly. Genesis chapter 37. And uh, as you are turning there or turning your, your Bibles on, it might be on your phone, uh, Genesis chapter 37. I do just wanna say something really quickly. Uh, I do just wanna thank every single one of you for praying uh, with me and with Brittany for our son, Brave. And uh, I know a lot of you, uh, y'all have supported us by praying for Brave. And uh, we have had a lot of text messages. A lot of people come up to us and uh, ask how Brave is doing. This is his first service back from surgery. And so Brave is back there and he's doing great. And so... If you're here while I'm preaching, hey, daddy, hey, daddy, that's him hearing his daddy preach. And uh, that's my amen corner back there. And so uh, Brave has another major surgery coming up. And uh, we don't know that exact date yet, but I do uh, just covet your prayers. And thank you so much. I just wanted to give you a brief update. Brave is doing well. And uh, thank you for your support. Hey, I want to read a scripture really quickly in Genesis chapter uh, 37. We're just going to read a few verses really quickly. And then we're going to dive right in tonight. How many of you are hungry for God's word? How many of you are hungry for God's word? Amen. Hey, listen, it says this, Genesis chapter 37. It says, now when Joseph's brothers saw him coming, they recognized him in the distance. And as he approached, they made plans to kill him. Here comes the dreamer. 
I'm gonna say that one more time. Here comes the dreamer. For the sake of my title tonight, I want you to keep that phrase, those four words in your spirit. Here comes the dreamer, his brother said. Come on, let's kill him and throw him into one of the cisterns. We can tell our father a wild animal has eaten him. Then we'll see what has become of his dreams. As you know, and as I just told you, the title of this message tonight is this, Here Comes the Dreamer. How many of you know that in this life, as I was studying and preparing for this message, uh, it's apparent that there are three different types of dreams. And the first type of dream is probably the most common type of dream. It's the dreams that you have when you sleep, okay? Do I have anybody that has dreams when they sleep, okay? And uh, how many of you know there are some crazy dreams that you can have when you sleep? All right, uh, I, can, I can think of times, anybody ever had those dreams uh, that it is so real to you when you are sleeping and then you wake up and you can't remember for the life of you what you had dreamed about the night before? I've had some of those kind of dreams. Uh, I think my, my least favorite dreams, and maybe you've never had this before, I hate those dreams where it feels like I'm about to fall off a cliff. Anybody ever had those? And I feel like I'm waking up and my heart is beating and I got the cold sweats and I'm like, I feel like I'm about to die. Listen, I promise you, probably about two weeks ago, uh, I had just fallen asleep. Uh, I had laid down in bed and I had just fallen asleep. Brittany was still awake. I promise you, as I was right about to fall asleep, uh, I wasn't quite in that deep sleep phase yet. I felt like something was flying at my face, okay? And I jerked so fast when I had, the, I mean, I promise you something was flying right at me. It woke me up out of a dead sleep and I look open, I open up my eyes and Brittany is just looking at me, dying, laughing at me. And uh, listen, we all have those kind of dreams, okay? Uh, there are the natural dreams that you have when you sleep. The, the second category of dreams is this. It's the dreams that you have for yourself. It's the dreams that you have for your future. Uh, I would hope tonight that every single one of you have some of these kind of dreams. Dreams about what your future could look like. Dreams about, uh, for our students, what does life look like after high school or life look like after college? Uh, maybe for some adults, dreams of buying that forever home. Y'all know what I'm saying. Uh, maybe for some of our adults, maybe it's dreams that you have of what retirement life could look like. We all should have some of these kind of dreams that are in our spirit. Dreams for ourselves, dreams for our future. As I was studying, uh, I, I found the, the five things that students or that really that children, that kids grow up dreaming to be in life. The first thing that a child dreams to be is an astronaut. The second thing that a child dreams to be is a teacher. Do we have any teachers in the house? All right, yes, we got some of you raising your hands. Listen, uh, there are kids that aspire to be just like you. I think that's pretty cool. Uh, the third thing is this, it's a firefighter. Anybody grow up wanting to be a firefighter? Uh, those are heroes. The fourth thing, and I think I fell under this category, is to be a doctor. Uh, uh, kids grow up wanting to be a doctor. The fifth thing is to be a superhero. How many of you wish that was an occupation? To be a superhero. And, uh, you know, I begin to think about it. I believe God wants us to have these kind of dreams inside of our own life. But I began to think of it like this. I've, I think that it's a sad narrative that the older we get, the less dreams we seem to have. Children dream with an unlimited imagination. And I believe that God is calling all of us to have dreams for our own life. 
But the third category of dreams, and this is really where I wanna park for tonight, just for the next few moments, is dreams that God has for you. There's dreams that you have for yourself, and then there's dreams that God has for our life. And I think if I want anything to get inside of your spirit tonight, it would be this one thought, God has dreams for your life. I don't think that there's anything wrong with having the natural dreams that you have when you sleep. I don't think there's anything wrong with you having dreams for your life. But I believe that it's imperative for you to understand the fact that we serve a God, a God that is unlimited in his power, a God that can create the heavens and a God that can create the earth, a God that is omnipotent, a God that is omniscient, a God that is all powerful and all knowing, a God that can do anything he wants, yet he still finds the time to have dreams for your life. God has a dream, a specific dream for your life. You know, throughout the years, I feel like the most common phrase when I go to somebody and say, how you doing? So many times over the years, I've heard people say, man, just living the dream. Anybody ever heard that phrase before? Man, I'm just living the dream. Listen, there's nothing wrong with you living the dream. The question is, whose dream are you living? Are you living yours or are you living his? God has a specific design, a specific dream for you. And how do you know the difference between a you dream and a God dream? Let me give it to you really quickly. A you dream, you can accomplish. A God dream, you can't accomplish. The only way that you can grab hold of a God dream is by holding on to him. And God will never give you a dream that you can accomplish outside the, the need for a dependency upon him. God is always gonna give you a dream and say, it might be impossible for you, but it's possible through me to hang on to me. And I'm reminded of, and I shared this as I was looking through my notes, I shared this about three years ago in, this, uh, in a Sunday night service. I was reminded of a, a, a time of the king of Saudi Arabia. This is a story that I, that I had read years ago. And as he, he loved to golf, and so he had a favorite golfer here in the U.S., and so he asked this, uh, this golfer here in the States to come to Saudi Arabia and to play with the king of Saudi Arabia. And this golfer uh, flew to Saudi Arabia on the private plane of this king, and they were playing golf together for a few days. And before the king of Saudi Arabia sent this professional golfer back here to the United States, he said, I want to give you something. You name whatever you want, and I'll give it to you as a token of my appreciation. And the golfer said, no, I don't want anything. And the king said, you don't understand. You tell me what you want, I'll give it to you. He said, okay, listen, just give me a golf club. And so the king said, okay, I'll give you a golf club. He got on the plane, came back to the States. A few days had passed, and then he became intrigued and said, man, I wonder what the golf club's gonna look like. Maybe it's a gold putter. Maybe it's a driver, and it's got his uh, name engraved on this driver. And he began to think. A few more days had passed and never received anything. A few weeks had passed. He went to the mailbox, and in this mailbox was a letter from the king of Saudi Arabia and in this letter, he actually saw that it was a deed to a actual golf club with fairways and with greens and with clubhouses. And here's the concept, here's the principle of the story. Kings always think bigger than you do. And can I just tell you this? Well, however big you think your dream is, God has a bigger dream for your life. Because we serve the king above all kings. We serve the Lord that is above every other Lord. We have a king that thinks bigger than you do. You need to grab hold of a king-sized dream for your life. Every time that God would give a dream throughout scripture, it always seemed impossible. Just look at Abraham. God, 
gave him a dream, a vision at night. Abraham walked out of his tent and God in this dream says, look into the heavens. He said, if you can count every star, that's how many children that you're gonna have. I can imagine that Abraham's thinking in his own natural flesh, like God, do you know how this thing works? I don't think that I can have that many children, especially in my age. Listen, but God, it was a God-sized dream. What about Mary and Joseph? What, have you ever thought about the, the angle of Joseph? Engaged to Mary, and then he finds out that she is pregnant. Feeling like she has cheated on him, he's gonna divorce her quietly. Listen to me, how does God speak to him? He shows up in a dream, and he says, Mary's not cheating on you. This baby is from no other man. This baby is from me, from God. God can speak to you in a God-sized dream. What about, what about David? What about on the backside of a field and nobody knew who he was? This was before he was King David. This is a little brother, David. This is shepherd boy, David. And on the backside of a field somewhere, notice what God began to do inside of his spirit. He began to worship unto God and he began to have a God-sized dream and says, one day there's gonna be a nation, an entire nation that will bow down and worship God. And you know what God did? He took the dream that was inside of David because it was a God-sized dream and says, now I will elevate you, I will promote you. And he went from being little old shepherd boy, little old David boy, to now being king of a nation and God says, I'm going to put my name behind that name. And Jesus came through the bloodline of David, all because he had a God-sized dream. God has a dream for your life. The same could be said of Joseph, as we find ourselves here in our text. I want you to understand just a few things about the dream that God gave Joseph. Joseph had a dream. And in this dream, he, he saw this open field, and in this field, there was grain. Come on, y'all know the story. There was grain, and the sheaves of grain, all 11 sheaves of grain began to bow down to his grain. And what, what God was saying is, all of your brothers are gonna bow down to you. And I find it amazing that the imagery of this dream that God gave him was a field. Can I tell you, you always know when it's a God dream because it will always include the harvest. I'm gonna say that again. You know when it's a God dream inside of you because it's always gonna be bigger than you. It's always going to include the harvest. We've gotta to learn to start getting these God dreams in our spirit, a dream that God can get behind. A lot of times we'll take these dreams in our own life and say, how can I elevate myself? How can I elevate my platform? How can I elevate my followers? How can I make my name be known? And can I tell you, God's dream is not synonymous with the American dream. The American dream is how fast you can rise to the top. God's dream is how quick you can bow down at his feet. There's a difference between God's dream and the American dream. God doesn't care how many followers you have. He's very intrigued by how many people you can get to follow him. You've got to learn the difference between a you dream and a God dream. Jesus says this, he says to dream. He says to ask for whatever in my name. Notice the wording, Jesus says, ask whatever in my name and I will answer so that my father may be glorified. Notice this, Jesus never obligated himself to fulfill the dreams that glorify your name, but he did bind himself to fulfill every dream that glorified his name. There is a difference. You've got to learn how to get a God dream inside of you. 
Listen, I can remember times of being such a young kid. I grew up here in the church from right around sixth grade. And I remember sixth grade, seventh grade, eighth grade, right around the beginning of my high school years, God began to move on my life in such a supernatural way is the only way I can explain it. And I remember having such a hunger, such a desire for God, knowing that I was called to ministry. Didn't know what it would look like, but I knew that God was calling me into ministry. And I remember having dreams that God would give me, visions that God would give me. I remember going to my mom and going to my dad and saying, I don't know what to do with this, but I feel like I'm seeing God's given me a dream. And I remember specifically a dream God gave me. And I was standing on a stage with a microphone in my hand and I was just a young kid and God gave me this dream. And in this dream, I saw a sea of people. I saw a multitude of people not knowing what to do with this, going to my parents saying, well, I don't even know what this means. But listen, I knew from a young age, God began to put a God-sized dream. But here's the deal. The emphasis was not on Dusty on the stage. The emphasis was on the people in the crowd. It was about the harvest. God had given me a dream that was bigger than Dusty. God had given me a dream that was bigger than myself. God's dreams in your life for you will always include the harvest. I want us to look, and if y'all could throw the scripture back on the screen, I want us to look through the scripture of now that we understand the difference between a you dream In a God dream, let's look at the dream God placed inside of Joseph. The Bible says in Genesis, it says, when Joseph's brothers saw him coming, they recognized him in the distance. See, I think that that scripture right there is significant because they recognized him even when he was a far way off. Dreamers always have a way of sticking out. Dreamers walk just a little bit different. Dreamers talk just a little bit different. And as he approached, listen to this, as he approached his brothers, the Bible says they made plans to kill him. I want you to pay attention for just a moment. There will always be people in life who their main goal is to kill your dreams. Be careful who you associate yourself with. Be careful who you share your dreams with. There will always be people, there will always be haters in your life that look to kill the dream. Listen, if you don't have haters in your life, you're not dreaming big enough. Because dreamers always have some haters. I began to think about, I shared this with our students uh, a few weeks ago. I began to think of people throughout the years that had some haters in their life. I believe we got some images on the screen. I wanna give them to you really quick. What about, what about Michael Jordan? I want y'all to throw that up on the screen really quickly. Michael Jordan is the GOAT, okay? He is the greatest of all time. Now, I don't know what anybody else, some of you wanna throw out LeBron. Listen, Michael Jordan is the greatest of all time. Can I, can I tell, yeah, amen. Y'all can't be clapping for that, but not clapping. Hey, come on, hey. Michael Jordan was the GOAT. Y'all know the story of Michael Jordan, don't you? Listen, cut from his basketball team, locked himself in his room and cried, became the greatest basketball player of all time. You talking about some haters in his life. What about, what about Thomas Edison? A teacher told him he was too stupid to ever learn anything. He should go into a field where he might succeed because of his pleasant personality. Thomas Edison, as you know, invented the light bulb, became one of the greatest inventors of all time. You're talking about some haters in his life. What about, what about Abraham Lincoln? Failed in business twice, had a nervous breakdown, was defeated in eight elections, yet guided his country through the most devastating experience in its natural history. Now, what about Walt Disney? Fired from a newspaper company because he lacked imagination. Come on, somebody. 
because he lacked imagination and had no original ideas, went on to create the most visited and largest recreational resort in the entire world. What I'm trying to tell you is everybody's got some haters. If you got some dreams, some God dreams inside of your life, you're going to have some critics. But I want you to listen to this. Dreamers do not waste time defending themselves against petty criticisms. Never let your detractors become your distractions. I love, I love what uh, Mark Rutland said. He says this, when a train is rolling through town and the little dogs begin to bark, the train never stops to chase them away. The train just keeps on rolling. My advice to some of you tonight is this, just keep on rolling. Actually, for some of you, how I put it to our students, just keep on scrolling. Like some of y'all, y'all got some haters on social media. You're looking at all kind of negativity on social media. Just keep on scrolling, keep on rolling. Criticism is the cost of being a dreamer. As long as you don't dream big, nobody's gonna say anything about you. But the greater your dreams, the more critics you'll have. I love this because Joseph had a God dream and there were brothers out to kill the dream that God had placed inside of him. And this is what I love. They said, here comes the dreamer. This is what I wanna end with just for the next few moments. Listen to me. May it be said of my life, when I walk into a room that people say, there's Dusty, here comes the dreamer. May it be said of your life that when you walk into work tomorrow morning, they look at you and say, there's something different about him. There's something different about her. Here comes the dreamer. They said, come on, let's kill him and throw him into one of these cisterns. We can tell our father a wild animal has eaten him. Then we'll see what becomes of his dreams. Let me give you two things really quick as I close. Listen to me. If you're taking notes, write this down. This is how I want to end. There's two types of people that God will give dreams to. The first type of person that God will give a dream to is those that fight for others' dreams. Can I explain this for just a moment? Do y'all know that Joseph had a dream from a young, as a young boy, God gave him a dream and said, one day your brothers will bow down to you. But can you fast forward through Joseph's life? And as you look through Joseph's life, there's no way that I have enough time to go through all of Joseph's story. But if you look through Joseph's story, you find him, there's one thing after another trying to take him away from the dream that God has placed inside of him. Joseph has been left for dead. Joseph has found himself in a pit. Joseph's name and his image has been marred and he's been talked negative against by Potiphar's wife that has tried to uh, put all kind of shame against his name and it's nothing that he ever did. There was people out to attack his life but as you fast forward through his life, notice what happened. God put him in front of Pharaoh and Pharaoh began to have dreams and now Joseph's finding himself in front of Pharaoh and he begins to interpret Pharaoh's dream but notice this. As Joseph is fighting for Pharaoh's dream, God is weaving his own dream into the story. And can I tell you this? Listen to me. You want to know how to grab hold of God's dream? Start fighting for other people's dreams. It's not just about you. It's about the kingdom. We're all in this together. And this is what I want you to grab hold of. For the older generation that is in the room, this is what I want you to understand. For our parents and for our grandparents and for our aunts and uncles that are in the room, listen to me. There is a younger generation that is depending on you to fight for them. I'm gonna say that one more time. There is a younger generation that is depending upon you to fight for their dream, to fight for their destiny, to fight for their life. This generation, I've shared this with our students, this generation is being attacked like unlike any other generation I have ever seen, ever heard of. 
And I don't justify everything that's taken place in this generation, but one thing that I will say is this generation has a full court press by the devil, and he is put it, pulling no stops, giving everything that he has. Can I give you really quickly, can I get away from preaching for just a moment and get really practical with you? Please listen to me. This is what this generation is dealing with. If you don't believe this generation is being fought unlike any other generation, look at what's in their hand. And this isn't anything that I haven't shared with our students in recent weeks. I want you to, I want you to understand this. Do you, know, do you know that the average teenager spends nine hours a day on their phone? Nine hours. That's 270 hours a month. That's 3,285 hours a year. I did the math because I was curious. Just in a teenager's teenage years from 13 to 19, do you know that the average teenager will spend two and a half years on their phone in their teenage years? I came across an article that is not a spiritual article at all. It is a secular article that gave some very interesting information about what our students are dealing with. In 2021, or according to a new data from an app, listen to me, that monitors children's phones and internet usage for red flag content, over 90% of our teens are consistently talking about drugs, sex, violence, and more. This app's algorithm monitors text, email, YouTube, and 30 plus apps and social media platforms for signs of issues like cyberbullying, sexual content, online predators, depression, suicidal ideation, threats of violence, and more. Listen, in 2021, this is fresh data from a secular source. In 2021, this app analyzed more than 3.4 billion messages among teenagers. This is the data they just released. 85% of all teenagers are experiencing bullying as a victim, as the bully, or as a witness. 56.4% of teens engage in conversations about depression. 20.5% of teens encounter predatory behaviors from someone online. 42% of teens use language or were exposed to language about anxiety. 74.6% of teens were involved in self-harm or suicidal situations. 93% of our teenagers engaged in conversations surrounding drugs and surrounding alcohol. 94.5% of teens express or experience violent subject matter. 90.7% of teens have encountered nudity or sexual content. That's what's in our kids' hands for nine hours a day. Listen to me. There is a generation that's in need of the older generation to stand up and fight for them. And who better to fight for them than us right here in the church? There is a place for those that are 40, 50, 60, 70, 80 years old to come alongside of our children, come alongside of our students and say, listen, I may not know exactly what you're going through, but I've been there before. Let me take you to a Jesus that I know. There is an importance of us standing up and fighting for their dream, fighting for their destiny. How do you grab hold of your dream? Fight for their dream. Joseph was fighting for Pharaoh's dream. There's an importance. Can I tell you, listen to me, parents, I, I'm not gonna be able to go into all these stats, but I, wanna, I want you to understand this. There is proven statistical information, and I can give this to you if you come to me after service, I don't have time to give it tonight, of what a student going to church, what it does to their life, spiritually, what it does to them among their friends. There is a positive enforcement if you will keep your children in church. Parents, listen. I'm all about extracurricular activities. I'm all about sports. 
but you cannot expect your child when they're 30 to prioritize church if you're minimizing church now and prioritizing sports now. Listen, you cannot expect a child to prioritize later what you minimize now. We've gotta get our children in church. We've gotta keep them connected to what God's doing. We gotta get our kids to invite night this Wednesday night because there is a lost and dying world. Listen, I know this ain't preachy. I'm just trying to tell you, this is what our kids are dealing with today. You can find your dream by fighting for their dream. The second thing, really quickly, as I come to a close, worship team, you can come. God will give dreams to not only just those that'll fight for others' dreams, God will give dreams to those who make room for his dream. Do you know that Dr. Cho just passed away not too long ago? He's a pastor in South Korea of one of, if not the largest church in the world, of 800,000 people in his church. Do you know that Dr. Cho, earlier on in his life, in his earlier years, he was on his deathbed? Y'all, please listen to me. Dr. Cho was on his deathbed with the final stages of Parkinson's disease. And you know that Dr. Cho was crying out to God and he said, God, why is my life ending so early? You know what Dr. Cho said? God answered him on his deathbed. He said, God, why is my life ending so early? This is what God said to Dr. Cho. He said, I'm no longer allowed to dream through you. And he said, God, I repent. God, what is it that you wanna do through me? And God began to speak to Dr. Cho and he said, I want you to do this. He said, I want you to build 30 other churches where my people can assemble. God gave him a dream. He grabbed hold of that dream, prayed over that dream. He said, God, I'll do it. You know that God raised him up. And when he got off of his deathbed, God reversed the Parkinson's disease, totally healed him from Parkinson's disease and extended his life. You wanna know why? Because God will give dreams to those who make room for his dream. Listen, God, God wants to do something inside of you. And listen, I just feel like speaking to somebody that's 60 years old, that's 65, 70, listen to me. Sometimes the struggle is my best years are behind me. Maybe you have regret for not answering the dream that God placed inside of you. No, listen. If you will make room, God will put a dream inside of you again. God has dreams for you. Here comes the dreamer. Here comes the dreamer. Listen to me. There's a scripture. I want y'all to throw it on the screen. Proverbs 13, I believe they have it. It says this, hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a dream that is fulfilled is a tree of life. Do you know when you get a God dream inside of you, it can save your life. It can take you from being in a pit and raising you out of a pit. It can sustain you. It can strengthen you. Listen, let me share my heart with you for the next few moments that we have. Listen. Do you know, this is the part that just gets in my spirit as I was preparing for this and sharing it with our students. Do you know at the very at, at the end, after he went through all of the, the hurdles and the heartbreak and the pain that Joseph had had to walk through, after, after grabbing hold of a God dream at just 13, as a teenager, God gave him a dream. And now all of this has happened in his life and seemingly derailed him from the dream that God had placed inside of him. After all of this had happened, 
God says, I'm gonna birth a child. I'm gonna give you a son. And you know that Joseph had a son. You know what the first son was? His name was Manasseh. And can I tell you what Manasseh actually means? The Lord has caused me to forget. Can I tell you something? When you get a God dream inside of you and you grab hold of God's dream, God can bring you through the other side and bring you to something so amazing, so spectacular that he causes you to forget every hurt, every pain, all the struggle, all the heartbreak. But, but then he had a second son. The first son was Manasseh. The second son was Ephraim. You know what Ephraim means? It means to be fruitful. It literally means to be doubly fruitful. But I believe that there is an importance, there's a principle that God is trying to give us here. He's saying, before I can cause you to be fruitful, I need you to become forgetful. There's some things that you're hanging on to. There's some pain and there's some hurt and there's some negative words that have been spoken over your life. There are some people that have been backbiting and stabbing you behind your back and you have grabbed hold of that and you've refused to let it go. And I believe God is saying, if you wanna become fruitful, I need you to become forgetful about some things. Let it go, let it go. But here's the part that I don't, at first I didn't quite understand it. Because it's amazing to me that he would name his son Manasseh, which means God has caused me to forget. But the oxymoron is this, that every time I look at the one who causes me to forget, I end up remembering the thing that I wanna forget. Y'all understand what I'm trying to say? If he names them, God's calls me to forget. Every time I think about what I'm forgetting, I'm reminded of what I've walked through. But here's the, here's the concept. I believe that when you encounter a God dream, God doesn't necessarily cause you to forget everything you've walked through, but he can cause you to forget the pain that it caused you. God doesn't take away the punch, but he can take away the pain. Listen, I shared about a month ago or so in a message that I was preaching. This is how I wanna close. You talking about being in the pit? You talking about having a difficult situation? You talking about being hurt in life? Come on, has anybody been there? Just be honest with me. Hey, I got my hand raised. If I could have both hands raised, I would. And I've gone through some hurt. Joseph in the pit. God, you've given me a dream. God, I don't know how I'm gonna accomplish this. God, I don't know how I'm gonna grab hold of what you have for me. Listen, I read a story years ago and I stashed it away and I never shared it before. But I read a story of a young girl. This is true. A young girl in Arkansas who she lost her dad and she was broken, just a, a young, young adult girl who lost her dad in the, the prime years of her life when she was about to graduate, the years that she would be getting married. And the only way that she knew how to cope with this hurt and this pain of being in the pit is she would text her dad's cell phone number every single day. She knew obviously she would never get a response, but she's like, dad, this is the way that I'm gonna keep you in the loop of what I'm, where my life is. And so she would graduate high school and she would text her dad that day and say, dad, today's the day, graduating high school. She would date a guy and dad, I found a boyfriend. He would break up with her and dad, you would have killed him. 
and she kept him up to date for every single day for four years. Can I read to you what she had texted him? It was the night before the fourth year anniversary of her dad passing away. Let me read to you what she said. She said, hey dad, it's me. Tomorrow is gonna be a tough day again. It's been four years since I lost you and not a day goes by that I don't miss you. A lot has happened in that small time, but I'm sure you know since I tell you all the time. Listen to this. She said, I beat cancer. I haven't gotten sick since you were here. Like I promised you, I've taken better care of myself. I finished college, I've graduated honors. Now I'm back and I'm finishing it up again and I fell in love and I had my heart broken. She said, you would have killed him, but I picked my head up and became an even stronger woman. I've lost all my friends, I've hit rock bottom, but I found someone who's come into my life and he saved me. I don't have any children yet, you would be so happy, but I'm ready. I still drive mom crazy every day, but I'm keeping her on her toes. I'm sorry I wasn't there when you needed me the most, but one day we'll have our chance to watch that game together. I'm afraid of marriage because I'll have to walk down that aisle alone. And you won't be there to tell me that everything's gonna be okay. I'm doing great. You'd be so proud of me. You'd be proud of the woman I've become. No, my smart mouth and attitude has not changed. And no, I've not gained weight, it only goes to my head. Just wanted to say I love you. And dad, I really miss you. This night was different, because this night she got a response. I want you to listen to this. For four years she had been texting her dad's old number, and what she didn't realize is that this number had been transferred to someone else. This man answers and he says, hi sweetheart, I'm not your father but I've been getting all of your messages the past four years. I look forward to your morning messages and your nightly updates. My name is Brad and I lost my daughter in a car wreck in 2014. Your messages have kept me alive. When you text me, I know it's a message from God. I'm sorry you've lost someone so close to you, but I've listened to you over the years and I've watched you grow and go through more than anyone. I've wanted to text you back for years, but I didn't wanna break your heart. You're an extraordinary woman, and I wish my daughter would have become the woman that you are. Thank you every day for your updates. You remind me, there is a God, and it wasn't his fault that my girl is gone. He gave me you, my little angel, and I knew this day was coming. Everything's gonna be okay. I encourage you to push yourself every day. Shine the light that God's given you. I'm sorry you have to go through this, but if it makes it any better, I'm proud of you. Listen to this two generations coming together, healing each other's pain and never knew it. Can I tell you this? God did not vanish the hurt and the pain and the struggle in one moment. But do you know, listen to me, over the years, what God began to do is he began to birth a Manasseh. And he says, listen, I can't take away the fact that you lost your dad and you lost your daughter. But what I can do is I can heal the hurt and I can heal the pain. And a Manasseh was born, a dream was given again. And can I tell you this tonight? God wants to birth a Manasseh through you and cause you to forget every hurt, every hurdle, every pain that you've ever walked through and say, I wanna give you an Ephraim. I'm ready 
to give you a fruitful life again. There's an importance of you just having a God dream inside of you again. This is how I wanna end, unlike anything I've ever done. But tonight, tonight is a little bit different. It's a youth takeover night. And I thank you so much for supporting our ministry tonight. But I feel like I wanna end it this way. There is a younger generation that is depending upon you. Dad, granddad, aunt, uncle, there's a generation that needs you to come alongside of them and say, I'll fight for your dream. Listen, if you fight for others' dreams, God will birth a new dream inside of you. I wanna do this tonight. If you are 30 years old or younger, I want you to stand to your feet. Come on, everybody. If you're 30 years old or younger, I want you to stand to your feet. Come on, some of you, uh-uh, you ain't 30 years old. Uh-uh, stay seated. If you're 30 years or younger, I want you to stand to your feet. I know that I'm gonna make a, a few of you uncomfortable a little bit, and that's okay. I just want you to trust me. If you're 30 years and younger, I want you to do me a favor. I want you to come to this altar. And I want you to lie in this altar. Listen, if it stretches all the way across the stage, that's fine. And I want you to face the crowd. Come on, start here. And y'all just, come on, do this pretty quickly. Do it quickly. It's 7.15. We're gonna end in a time of worship. Hey, all of you over here, I want y'all to come this way. I need y'all to just lie in this altar. Come on, really quickly. Really quickly. If y'all need to go to that wall, you can. Some of you, I need you to come over here. I want y'all to look at this. Listen, this is the future. This is the future of the church. Not just evangel, the church, God's church. Here's the altar call. I know we still have some coming. Pastor Jacob, if you can help me over there, I just need some people to come to this side. Just help me over here. Listen to me, everybody that's out here, I need you to listen to me. This is the altar call. Tonight, we're gonna fight for their dreams. We're gonna speak into this younger generation's lives. We're gonna pray over them. Here's the altar call. Every man, I want you to stand to your feet. Come on, if you're a man, I want you to stand to your feet if you're out in the crowd. I would never do anything to embarrass anybody, but what I am gonna ask you to do, I challenge you, if you're a man, I want you to come find a young man that's up here, maybe a group of young men. Dean, thank you, thank you. And I want you to begin to speak over their life, pray over their life, come on, come on, fine. It can be a group and you gather them together. Now, women, I want you to stand to your feet. Come on. And if you're comfortable, I want you to do the same. I want you to come find a young person, a young girl, or a group of young girls. And for the next five minutes, come on, they're just gonna play behind us. I want you to pray, speak into their life, fight for their dreams. Fight for their dreams. There's an enemy that's trying to attack their life. Come on, mom, dad, come to the front. I need some grandparents that have gone through some hurt in life to come to the front. Pray over our students. Pray over the up-and-coming generation. Come on. Come on, give us a few minutes. A few minutes. Come on, lift up your voices. Let's pray. Let's pray. Y'all just play.